Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the young, hip, and lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Well done, Ashley <laughs> Thank McKinless. Thank you. So I, listeners don't know this, but we uh, bribed Ashley to, or we goaded Ashley into reading the intro to the show without a script uh, for the first time. Um, and Which you think I should be able to do, and would always do, but no, no, it's it's hard, it's hard. It's I I, I said it's a little yeah. bit like um, when you're asked to recite a prayer that's normally like said with the general chorus of mm-hmm. uh, the mass attendees for the first time, and you're like, I don't actually know this, or <laughs> you're asked to recite the Gloria without music. Oh, that's yeah. always weird. Um, mm-hmm. But we're trying to remove some crutches because we are losing someone who's aided the show for a very long time this week. Yeah, this is a bittersweet episode. We are saying goodbye to our editor, Noah Levinson. Noah has been with us since day one, actually before day one. We were going through our old emails and we <laughs> we sent him a couple of our pilot episodes and somehow he still agreed to come on and give us a shot. <laughs> I know. I hope Noah destroys those um, because <laughs> I've tried to eradicate all evidence of those first early episodes that were unreleased. Um, but you, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know that um, we have borrowed or stolen uh, Noah from our, our good friends at Unorthodox, uh, the leading Jewish podcast. Um, and he is really, from the very beginning, if, you, if you've ever listened, been like, ah, oh, this actually sounds pretty good for a Catholic podcast. Um, one of the, you no, know, that is Noah. He, he makes yep. us sound great. He makes uh, a sound not stupid, covers up all my bad <laughs> jokes. Um, He's really done it all, and he's moving on to some uh, really awesome stuff that he'll get into at the interview. Yeah, no, I couldn't be more grateful for for the work he's done. And you know, he was he was always giving us such helpful feedback and coaching from the beginning, which we really needed, but in such a loving, gentle way because we also needed that because we have very fragile egos. <laughs> so, so every every piece of constructive criticism or um, advice was also given with like a compliment. <laughs> Yes. And this conversation, I, I, I know we're sort of pitching it as it's going to be a little bit of meta insidery. We're talking about the show, but Noah is also just like such a talented editor. And you know that, I hope, because you don't really notice it happening when you're listening. And so Noah's got some real wisdom into the way that podcasts come together, how much time needs to be spent on them, um, what editors should look for. So if you, you're in any type of creative role, this is this is going to be a great episode for you. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to give Noah the whole show because he deserves that, at least that and more than that. So no, no signs of the times or consolations and desolations this week. So here's our conversation with Noah Levinson.
joining us now from beautiful Clifton, New Jersey, is Noah Levinson. Noah is the outgoing editor of Jesuitical. Welcome to the show, Noah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Welcome to I'm, this side of the show. <laughs> I am honored, honored to peek behind the curtain. It's oh, amazing. Oh my goodness. It's a little terrifying. Um, I don't know. No, I feel like I'm being edited in real time, which is like every writer's worst nightmare. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, actually, Maggie, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. We do want to start with our, our drink of the week, which you have graciously suggested for us. We, I, I wonder if you could just maybe tell our listeners what you told us when we asked what we should drink this week. I'm drinking um, some cherry kiafa. I just learned what, what cherry kiafa is. I didn't know it before today, but my roommate... Um, thinks that it was a gift for me from somebody from like a birthday party maybe and insisted that I take it with me in the move. <laughs> so I knew that I had it in a box somewhere when I was to find a drink. So um, I can't actually recommend it because this is my first time ever trying cherry kiafa. And it's is also it like a liqueur. It's a Danish wine specialty. Oh. So it's a, yeah. And it's, it's, well, Cherry wine. I don't know if that's grapes and cherries or just exclusively cherries. It says serve cool. Zach is our resident wine expert, so I'm sure he knows all about cherry kiafas. I've not had kiafa before, <laughs> but I imagine it's fortified and therefore probably tastes better cold. But th- I love this because you you don't know where it came from. It's also my dad seems to think that it came from my grandmother's house because she's the only person either of us has ever known who drinks who ever mm-hmm. drank cherry kiafa. So. Question, would you drink whatever we were drinking when you were editing that episode? <laughs> I, w- I would not. Um, it's very, like, <laughs> that would have been a sweet gesture on my part. I <laughs> wish that I had. <laughs> it helped but, you get um, in the headspace, you know? <laughs> I do, that's, that's I do right. think drinking is best, like, in terms of who works on the show, it, like, it works best with the hosts. I feel like it's better yeah. to use a state sober. Yeah. yeah, you guys need to be loose. It's better if the editor can keep it pretty tight. And yes. there's, you know, in that tension, you know, we get, you yeah. know, we spin strong the gold around here. And, and that's, you know, and that's what we do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you guys, you, you do such a, a good job of the podcast. You like can turn anything into, yeah, yeah. just this great conversation. Well, that's why it's all the more exciting to have you on so that we can all be loose and drinking together. Though Zach, Zach and I do not actually have cherry kiafa. Zach, what are you drinking? So I've got a, um, this is perfect because I'm actually at my mother's house in Ohio right now. And she has had in the back of her refrigerator a long time, a blood orange honey ale from Cheboygan, Michigan, that is of unknown <laughs> nice. provenance. So um, it's definitely survived a move or two. Um, and it only expired last year. So that's what I've got. I'm very happy to take oh, this off her hands. Great. Yeah, nice. Ashley, uh, what, what do you got? Nothing that exciting, but I do have a gin and soda with a lemon that was in the bottom of my fridge of unknown provenance. <laughs> so... <laughs> Getting to use that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know that this past year has taught us that we don't know what the future holds necessarily. Um, so here's to drinking drinks of questionable pasts and to all the best for your future specifically, Noah. <laughs> yes, cheers. So cheers. I'll drink to that. So before we get into talking about our show, um, I'm wondering if we could start with a little bit about your background. How did you get into audio editing? Was this like a, a, a passion you had as a child or something you stumbled into? 
Um, this is definitely something I, I more stumbled into, but I can't say it wasn't like I had a passion for it and it was always around me because um, my dad is a radio guy. He was a reporter for the Associated Press for like a million years, <laughs> uh, recently retired. And uh, my mom was a, a journalist. Um, and so we've always had the radio on. It's been a you know very constant diet of you know NPR and then later podcasts. So all that stuff was just like what was around the water I was swimming in growing up. And I had like had you know participated in like college radio and stuff like that. But I didn't actually uh, start uh, editing podcasts until uh, I did this one with my mom a few years ago. Uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she kind of immediately started writing about it. I mean, it was like a huge shock, obviously. Cancer always is. And um, she wrote this blog, this really beautiful blog post about it, um, about what the first 48 hours of having cancer had been like for her. And the, the gut punch and the sinking sensation and the fear that all of your friends are going to start looking at you like a victim or a you know, pity case and not be able to meet your eyes. Um, and, uh, I asked her if she would want to do a podcast about it. Like, I think I was just listening to a million podcasts, was looking for some project to do something to do. So we did 10 episodes of a series called the chemo files when she was going through chemo for six months. That was like 2015, 2016. She finished. She, uh, she's been in remission for four and a half years. So, uh, that's like the real blessing. And uh, I got stuck with uh, really enjoying podcast editing. Uh, that's been my <laughs> curse. <laughs> no. Um, so after that, I started really loving the process of editing. I especially love doing narrative storytelling, but also just editing interviews. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's when I started. And notably, we stole you as <laughs> as we stole shared. Many we shared him. We did okay, not steal. Sure. <laughs> That's true. We stole you from our good friends at the um, podcast Unorthodox. Um, as longtime listeners of the show will know, we've basically copied them in many ways. We've tried to make the Catholic version of Unorthodox. So I'm wondering when we asked you, a Jew, to edit this podcast for Catholics, if you had any hesitations or 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 excitements about what that might uh, entail. I, I think I was excited because. The process of editing Unorthodox was this like complete weekly confrontation with my relationship with Judaism, which <laughs> remains mm. unresolved, let's just say, for me. Mm. Um, I mean, I am Jewish, and that's not in question, but um, that's, you know, it's not like Catholicism. They don't really let you opt out. So, <laughs> it, like, I will be Jewish no matter what my theology is or my spirituality. I just kind of, yeah. And well, anyway, with, when uh, I had the opportunity to do more of the same, but for a Catholic podcast, I thought this would be a nice level of, of mental compartmentalization that I can do, like to have a to have spirituality pretty much um, offloaded to people who were willing to take a stab at it themselves um, in a way that did not have any implications for me, I decided, or how I should live my life. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the extent to which you guys have <laughs> infected my brain with <laughs> Catholic propaganda is only a testament to how good a job you've done as as host over the years. 
What have you... What Catholic propaganda have I absorbed? Yeah. What has been most um, attractive or repulsive about Catholicism that we have shared? We're not going to ask well, the same question about each of us. So it's just for the record. We're just going to pin this on our faith. Um, well, I've been consistently impressed and pleased with um, like the Catholic responses um, on, and particularly Pope Francis's language on inequality and, uh, and injustice uh, and, and racial injustice. I mean, what did he recently say that your right to property is not as sacred as somebody's right to live in a home, I think, which, you know, if I kept constantly thinking through last year, if Pope Francis were running for the Democratic primary for president, like you would have <laughs> constant 24 hours of people on MSNBC saying, He's way too radical to get elected. He is way too much of a radical leftist with that uh, kind of agenda uh, to be elected in the American Democratic Party. But I, you know, I think it goes deeper than that. Like I get the sense that Catholics really see politics as being a moral struggle, which I believe is accurate. I think it's very confusing and bewildering when you have people like say, oh, politics is separate. We don't talk about politics because like this is a non-political space, which I, you know, I hardly believe there are any non-political spaces. So I think the whole integration of feeding the poor and the, you know, looking upon your neighbor as yourself part of uh, Catholicism is, is been really attractive and uh, cool to see. And I mean, repulsive, I would just have to say, is that every teaching the church has about sex and sexuality, I feel the opposite is correct. My morality is a perfect mirror image. My sexual morality is a perfect mirror image of everything that the Catholic Church endorses. And I think I can leave it there. Well, I, I've always like loved this idea because part of the like goal of the show is to make it accessible for someone who is, you know, been in church their entire life or someone who's just like spiritually seeking or you may be Catholic adjacent. And I feel like having you listen in for the audience has been like really crucial in making that happen throughout the show's history. I, I hope, I hope that's the case. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you say that. Sometimes I feel like I edit from a place of zero knowledge and that can be a problem, something which I think isn't I can't well, it was it was at first hard to tell what's obvious and what a listener absolutely needs to be handheld through. So maybe it was smart to have an editor who basically needed to be handheld through it because I learned pretty much all of my Catholic vocabulary in the last few years uh, editing this show. No, I think so. Like people, people like Zach and I who work and swim in this all the time, I think tend to overestimate how much people are paying attention to like every single thing the U.S. bishops have said about issues and so have <laughs> someone to be like, all right, <laughs> you need to unpack that. It's very helpful. Yeah. I, now, just like pure functional stuff, because I think people are often surprised by the answers to this question um, or they have no idea. How long do you usually spend editing an episode of Jesuitical? Uh, I, I make sure I have about six hours to do it. At the beginning, it used to take a lot longer than that, that like at least a whole day. Yeah. And now, now, whose fault was that? Let's <laughs> <laughs> be clear. <laughs> no, that's that's. Oh come on! No, that was nobody's fault. Like, no, we listened to the was, to the early episodes, and it's pretty cringeworthy. <laughs> no, the early episodes are fire. What are you talking about? Like. They, <laughs> Um, they're, they were really good. Like you guys always had that, that good chemistry and were interested in, in, you asked very good questions to your, to your guests. 
Um, but it was just like the show was just getting its feet mm-hmm. and, you know, you're talking into the void. I mean, it's really hard to talk into the void for 30 minutes straight, an hour straight and, you know, create a sentence, let alone a whole half an hour that's worth hearing. So, uh, but in spite of that, I thought those early episodes were very good. And I'm wondering what's your, what's your maybe if not favorite segment to edit or like, how did, how does your approach to each of the different segments change? Um, well, I mean, I, I enjoy editing the interviews most, I mean, because that's, that's really the meat of the show and it's the part which is really the most variable and, you know, editing interviews is, it's this process of helping people get to the point. That's really it. Like you cannot, you can't put their point back in if they never had a point to begin with. But a lot of times people, they just take a second before they can, I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so that process feels fun. Like, thinking about what somebody meant to say and analyzing uh, how can I help them uh, say this the quickest and uh, the most effectively. And, you know, some of the most consistent advice you've given us over the years is to interrupt your guest. <laughs> why, <laughs> why is that so important? I want, to, I want everyone to hear this so that, like, one, if they're a listener, they don't think we're being rude to guests. And two, if they're a future <laughs> guest, they'll, they're prepared to be interrupted. Because, like, conversation is interruption. I mean, I know this is particularly true, like, of, they, they say that Jews are, like, I wasn't going to say it, but I mean, amongst <laughs> but you did. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, and the, the, what the, what's the term that's been going around lately? Co- cooperative overlap. Cooperative mm. overlap is, like, a, a, another way of, of talking about interruption, like, It's difficult. You don't want to talk into the void and have people nod their heads along and wait for you to make a perfect point. Like (laughs) you want, you want the interview to sound like a conversation sounds. Now, one of the places we're talking into the void has been super helpful is the last part of the show, the consolations Mm -hmm. and desolations, um, (laughs) because that often feels vulnerable and weird and and naked. And yeah, I refuse to make eye contact with Zach when we're doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so it's really, really weird to think that you've been listening the whole time is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm wondering if you've oh, like me and everybody else. Well, yes, that I guess that's true in the end. Um, I'm wondering if you could like say if you've gotten anything from like that Ignatian spirituality part of the show that you'll. Oh, yeah, you'll borrow absolutely. And take with you. I mean, that's like definitely it's like, you know, it's the bravest thing that you guys do on this show every week. And like, I could not do it. I will not do it. I refuse. We won't make you and do like, it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's actually appreciated that you don't make your guests do that. That's actually, you know, a smart thing. I can't say whether the Ignatian spirituality has really, you know, kind of trickled in, though maybe. Maybe just some of the vocabulary you guys use about oh, discernment and um, not uh, occupation, but... Uh, Vocation. Vocation, thank you. Yeah, no, no, it's kind of like therapy. And sometimes you guys actually will overlap something which is going on in my life. Uh, Ashley, you had one a couple of years ago that I think about all the time, actually. Oh, <laughs> um, because you said you often go to sleep with podcasts in. Oh, yeah. 
Still do uh, that. <laughs> and like, I think it was like NPR politics podcast at the time. You're like, <laughs> I am consuming politics all day, every day, like my entire work life. And then also when I like go for walks and now I'm letting it lull me to mm-hmm. sleep. Like, how can this possibly be good for my soul? And like Zach said something like, well, that's where God is supposed to reach you is when you let things be silent. And Ashley, I think you said, God, you're right. And I'm afraid of the silence. <laughs> and Still I true. Complete, completely <laughs> applies to me. I have the same habit with podcasts to bed. You can just call it work too. That's the worst thing. You're, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, working well, through osmosis. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm also observing podcasts all day. So, God, it is a habit I would really like to break, but yeah. I'm really resistant to it. So I could completely do it. <laughs> now, one thing that I think surprises people who are new in the podcasting is that one of the benefits of the show is that we send this off to someone who is not in the room for recording. Do you think that makes a difference in how you edit the show or how it turns out? Whether the editor is in the room for the recording or not? Yeah, or if you're editing yourself. Um, I think people are th- think, that, uh, yeah. think that like Ashley and I edit it. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just nice not to have to edit yourself. You don't want to confront your every word and spend the entire edit process going, oh, my God, why did I say that? That was so yeah. stupid. Or why didn't I say that? It was equally stupid not to have said the thing which I'm saying now. And to offload that to somebody else who has, who can just look at it coldly is is very nice. The same reason you would want to have an editor for a newspaper or for any creative project. Now, we are living in an era where most people are trying to ditch those. So I just wanted to have <laughs> you make the case real quick. Um, I, I do- yeah, yeah, I know. No, I, I, right. I don't mean to I, I don't mean to talk my profession out of existence. Your editors do a lot and <laughs> Yeah, shouldn't be done away with. Well, I appreciate it because I know that the price to pay you off to not blackmail us, I'm sure is only going to increase with time. Um, I'm wondering how long you're waiting before cashing in on that. Oh my God. Um, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, Damn it. Right. And I, as you know, I have a line to the Vatican. Yeah. I, I know right. a guy, Jim Martin, I think. He's been in a lot of Scorsese pictures. One phone call to him. See, the, that's the other benefit of having a Jewish editor. You don't actually know the heresies that we've spoken off mic. <laughs> right, that's right. That's so you right. can't use them against us. Here, everybody close your eyes and just on your with your fingers count how many heresies you've committed today. <laughs> I think I'm at four. Um, okay. It's only 453. But you can get them all in one hand. It's really. Yeah. Um, where do you think our show, because um, I really, this is our show together. Where have you seen it grow the, the most or mo- in the most exciting ways? You edited episode one. Um, so this, True. you've really been with it from the very beginning. So much has gotten like smoother about the process and like quite literally the putting it together and like the nuts and bolts of it all have become so much tighter. And like everyone who works with the show, um, you know, Maggie, Sebastian, uh, Eloise uh, before, like everyone has just been really committed to like details and getting things right. And then like can't say enough about that. But the real soul of the show is like the moments the, of recording, like these just kind of, you guys have learned how to follow up on the right details when when somebody drops them in an interview or follow along a line of thought really well. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And it really just comes out in the in the product and everyone can hear it. 
So your comfort and confidence is like clearly what has made the show get better every year that we've put it out. Aww, do you have thanks. any, do you have any episodes that you'll, you, I don't know, you said you, you thought about one constellation that Ashley had one time. Are there any episodes that, that stick out? Yeah, I have a lot of favorite episodes. Tara Isabella Burton is such a great interview. Uh, Liz Brunig back in the beginning, I keep saying you should try and, and get her back on. She's very we funny. Ha- we're trying. Okay. <laughs> now that she's at the New York Times, it's a little bit harder. <laughs> Uh, right. Well, okay. Um, oh, Anita Estes Hicks interview mm-hmm. of confronting that uh, legacy of how Georgetown uh, had enslaved you know, over 200 people and hundreds of years ago and got the relatives together, the descendants together. That was really beautiful and really interesting. There is going to be a, there is going to be a church meets world episode from the America media podcast network uh, coming awesome. up. So check, so you can check that out on, I don't know if you feel this way. I, someone asked me about something recently and I, we've done a lot of interviews now that I've actually totally forgotten some. Like I know that it happened and it was meaningful for me yes, at the time. Yeah. These things can go like really in one ear and out the other. I think if you listen to so many podcasts that just like happens or you forget where you heard somebody, you thought you heard them on one podcast. It was actually another, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a great big back catalog. Like you could go, if you've already made your way through this episode, you could go back and find a million things you, you yeah. forgot about already. Yeah, with some distance, I might actually be able to listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> do you not? Do you legitimately not listen to the show when it comes out? No. <laughs> Ashley doesn't. I do. <laughs> That's awesome. I, it's That's why I have not improved. Part <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! No, you have. <laughs> All right. In that vein, and and the idea of always improving, um, can you share some parting wisdom for us as we try to become even better podcasters? What are our worst tics? I I would just... (laughs) No, 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 no. Your tics are fine. People like your tics. That's why they come back. I get at least one email a year about my laugh. What, a nasty oh, one? Yeah. What can people say? Oh, yeah. People, well, how could people somebody are... be so joyless as to write in to complain about your laugh? I guarantee there are people listening right now going, oh, yeah, I wrote that email or I thought about writing that email. Oh, and I want you to know we don't care that you don't like Ashley's laugh. <laughs> Look I'm at about. yourself in the mirror, listener. If you're still <laughs> listening in spite of the incessant laughing, God forbid. Like, look, yeah, you really, that, that's a you problem. <laughs> Ashley has had the good nature to learn to move I away have. from the mic I'm- when she laughs. So it should be better on your ears now. Right, right. Yeah, you pick up little tricks. Now, I, mean, I would just say, like, always remember, if you have an editor, that you have an editor. Let that thought free you up to take risks and ask random questions and go down a line of thought that, you know, might be a complete rabbit hole because uh, it's worth it. That's usually where the best stuff is. If it's really that bad, then I'll take it out. That's great advice. Or or someone else will. <laughs> or someone else will. Now someone else will. Maggie, take that out. That was actually that was bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I am a little I'm, I'm terrified. I'm excited. I'm so excited. First, what are you up to now that you're not going to be editing the show? I'm going to be a coworker at uh, a Camp Hill community in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, called Beaver Farm. Uh, Camp Hill communities are for uh, people with special needs and people who don't have special needs to all live together and uh, work um, mostly on uh, agricultural things, but also crafts and arts in community, like literal living community. Uh, There are about 10 such communities in the U.S., Camp Hill communities, and about 100 around the world. And uh, yeah, I've uh, been there before, actually. I, I 
worked there as a coworker my first year after college, and uh, I'll be working there starting next week. Uh, we're so excited for you. That's amazing. It sounds like beautiful work, and they are getting a beautiful soul in you. Oh my god! And I'm, I'm so excited for you in your future. It's a little terrifying because you've been with us from the very beginning, and I I can't say like thank you enough for all the work you've done on our show from you know cutting out my terrible jokes to to, <laughs> to listening to all those rabbit holes so the end listener doesn't have to to pull out the good stuff um you've really made this this podcast this show this ministry as we think of it because it's you know really has become a community for a lot of people um you've been like such an integral part of that and we we can't thank you enough yeah thank you thank you it's been my pleasure thank you, and we do have one final question for you I, I hope you know it's coming. <laughs> I do. I do know it's coming. <laughs> if you could canonize one person, living or dead, Catholic or not, fictional or real, who would it be and why? Uh, that would have to be my fellow short king, Benjamin Lay. Uh, Benjamin Lay was a uh, 17th and 18th century uh, abolitionist, a uh, Quaker from uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, I believe who was known for these famous outbursts of resistance. He was an incredible nuisance to uh, slave-owning Quakers. Uh, He would go to meetings or services where a preacher was speaking, and if that preacher was a slave owner, he would scream from the back of the church just at the top of his lungs that this, that this person could not possibly speak the word of God, could not possibly have heard it if he owned a slave and another human being. He would, and then, of course, they would kick him out of the meeting, and he would lie on the church steps and make people walk over him to get out. Literally, you know, step on his back. And I, I love this character um, in history because he just, he totally gives lie to this, this canard we've all heard about, like, oh, you don't understand slavery. You can't judge Thomas Jefferson or whomever, all the founding fathers, because how could, you know, this was the common wisdom at the time. This is just what morality was at the time. And it's like, no, you know, there were people who knew better. Presumably <laughs> the slaves themselves knew that it was quite wrong and other people knew that it was quite wrong and it didn't matter that they were completely heterodox and you know described in all sorts of terrible terms as blasphemous whatever they could see right from wrong uh, and it reminds us you know that we all can awesome well saint benjamin lay pray for us again noah so excited for you and your future and i will thank you on behalf of the listeners because I know they appreciate it too. Thanks, Noah. I uh, thank you. Really, it's uh, it's been so much fun, and I'm gonna uh, miss it quite a bit. Judge Whitical is produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Our editor is Jorge Corona. Faith formation provided by Father Eric Sundrup. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Jesuitical. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Jesuitical is a production of America Media in New York City. For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis. We'll see you next week.
Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.